Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sanders Facts. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is Wednesday, November 15th, episode 123 of the podcast. Thank you all for listening, y'all. It's a big podcast, as it is every week. But this week, we are talking college basketball. We are back on sports this week because we're a little late. We usually do our college basketball season preview every year before the season starts. But the season has already started, so we're a little late this year. I'm sorry, y'all, but that's still... Listen, just because the season has started doesn't mean we can't do a good old-fashioned season preview, which we're going to do this week. We're going to break down basically every team you need to know about, all of the big conferences, and then, of course, at the end, you're going to get my preseason predictions, which always goes so well, you know? I don't think so. So that's what we're up to. I've got all the facts on that that you need to know about this week. Before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Zaders Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, rate and review the podcast, check us out on all the socials, Twitter, threads, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts, that's Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. We like to call it spreading the facts. Tell all your friends about the podcast, the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts. If you didn't know, it is a recap of the week's top headlines. It comes out every Sunday morning. It is free to sign up. Link is in the episode description. Go check that out. And then, of course, we have the Xander's Facts link tree, which has all the Xander's Facts links that you need, y'all. And also remember to go listen to any of our past episodes of the podcast because last week was our flashback so we didn't have a new episode but two weeks ago we did our election season preview election day has already happened but if you didn't listen to that you probably should so go do that when you get the chance in any of our past 122 episodes are available wherever you're getting this podcast wherever you're listening to this so go check those out as well let's get to this week's topic though It is our college basketball season preview. I kind of want to run through it, y'all, because we're late. Like, the college basketball season's already started. Like, on... It's over a week old. Like, Monday, November 6th. So we're, like, a week and a half. You know, just a little late. But we still have over 20 weeks left until a champion is crowned. That's all the way in April. So, you know, we can still provide some early season previews some predictions, some facts. Some facts you're only going to find here on the Xander's Facts podcast. Like, listen, y'all, I got a lot of good stuff on this podcast this week. And just to clarify, of course, when I say college basketball, we're talking men's college basketball on the podcast because I do love the women's game. And it'll probably get mentioned several times on this podcast. But I do think that there are probably other podcasts that do a much better job analyzing women's college basketball. Because I got to be honest with y'all, I watch a lot more men's hoops than women's. Although, let me tell y'all, my Hokies are doing pretty well. So, I am intrigued by that. But this is a men's college basketball podcast. And if you will recall, last season, this is kind of a sad note I had to put in here. But last season did mark the end of my, I would say, pretty remarkable run correctly predicting the national champion in my March Madness bracket. Two years in a row, y'all. So sad. Name me someone else who's done that, like seriously. Which means that this season is of extra importance because we need to start that streak up again. 
okay? And this season's going to be super special, because like in college football, we had our college football season preview a couple months ago. And by the way, next week, which is our Thanksgiving week podcast, just have to mention this, next week we're going to be previewing Rivalry Week College Football, which I'm very excited about. So go listen to the podcast next week, Thanksgiving week. But this week, sorry for that sidetrack, college basketball, it's going to be a super special season, y'all, because all the big-time conference realignment moves are hitting after this season. The ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the SEC are all going to be featuring some new members. And then, of course, this is probably the last ride for our favorite conference of champions, the Pac-12. So this season, we have to remember the Pac-12 and cherish it for all we can because next year, it's going to be gone, y'all. And I'm kind of sad. There's probably no one more sad than Bill Walton, but I'm still pretty upset about it. So it is time. Not a very good catcher. I'm much better at getting high than getting low. To preview the upcoming college basketball season, or I guess the ongoing college basketball season. And of course, I've got the facts that you all need to be prepared for this season, ones that I do believe would make the great Dr. James Naismith, the inventor of the game of basketball, very proud, and a coach in college basketball at Kansas. He wasn't a very good coach, but he invented the game, and that's why he's a doctor. So the season has already started. Let's get a move on. Before we get to the conference previews, we're going to preview all six power conferences, ACC, Big East, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, SEC, and of course, talk about the mid-major schools you need to know about before we do those conference previews. And then, of course, at the end, I'm going to give you my preseason predictions, who's going to the Final Four, who's winning the national championship, because you should always listen to my preseason previews, because, uh, well, maybe you shouldn't. I'll talk about that in a second, though. Before we get to those, let's check out the preseason AP Top 25. Now, as I said, we are in the second week of the season, which means that an updated Top 25 has already been released. But for our season preview, I think we should probably look at the preseason top 25, because especially of this ESPN stat that I mentioned in last year's college basketball season preview podcast, but also mention it again, because in the last 10 seasons, coming into last season, 2012 to 2022, an average of 84% of teams that were in the AP preseason poll made the NCAA tournament, with the average preseason ranking of the national champion being 5.9. And before last season, the last national champion to be outside the top six was Villanova in 2015-2016. And then we get to last year. Last year's champion was UConn. They were not ranked to begin the season. So that kind of blows all that up. But barring another, that was like a super madness tournament that we had last year. That was absolutely insane. Barring another one of those, which happens sometimes, but not too often. It is madness, not super madness, though. Preseason rankings have actually been a pretty good indicator on how teams are going to fare throughout the season. So let's take a look at who the Associated Press voters put into the preseason AP Top 25 rankings. Tell me, tell me! We've got from the top, number one is Kansas. Then the top five, you've got Duke, Purdue, Michigan State, and Marquette. UConn is six, Houston, Creighton, Tennessee, and Florida Atlantic rounds out the top 10. How about that, y'all? 11, Gonzaga, Arizona, Miami, Florida, Arkansas, and Texas A&M is 15. 16 is Kentucky, San Diego State, Texas, North Carolina, and at number 20, 
the Baylor Bears, 21 USC, Villanova, St. Mary's, Alabama, and number 25, Illinois. So now that you've got an overall indicator of like, oh, okay, these are probably the best teams this year. Not always, though, because the best team last year, the team that won the tournament, wasn't ranked. But as I said, probably about 80-85% of those teams are at least going to be in the NCAA tournament, and a good chunk of those are going to be some of the best teams that are consistently ranked at the top all season. So with that out of the way, let's get to our conference previews. We're going alphabetical order. So let's start with number one out of number six in all measurements, of course, the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, which for now is the Atlantic Coast Conference. I don't know if they want to you know, amend their name or not when they add their new members who aren't exactly on the Atlantic Coast. But either way, we all know that there is no better basketball conference than the ACC, obviously. There's definitely no bias whatsoever in that. But the last time that an ACC team won the national championship was in 2019, a team we will not mention. But that may not seem like a long time, but the last time that four years had gone by without a current ACC school winning the national championship, if we're going to count Louisville's title in 2013, which was vacated, I guess, but they were in the Big East at the time, but they still won the game, so, you know. But the last time four years had gone by that an ACC team had not won the national championship in men's college basketball, 1993 to 2001. This is a fact. UNC won the title in 93, Duke won it in 2001, so... That's definitely not as bad as some other power conferences. Oh my gosh. Excuse me. Cough. Big 10. Cough. But it does show that the league has kind of slipped a bit. So who could bring the conference back to its rightful place at the top? We all know that its rightful place is at the top of college basketball. Let's start the search with the second ranked team. Number two, that would be Duke. Mike Krzyzewski is almost two years removed from leaving the Durham-based program in the hands of his protege, John Shire. And the Blue Devils haven't missed a beat, though, because, you know, the Blue Devils, they did fail to get out of the first weekend of the tournament last year. They were still a four seed, though. And Shire brings in to this season the second-ranked recruiting class, according to 24-7 Sports. And next year's class is currently number one, headlined by the top-ranked recruit, Cooper Flagg. That's a name you're going to need to know next year. But this year... Five-star freshman Jared McCain and TJ Power might have to take a back seat because Duke's got some returning talent. Last year's ACC Freshman of the Year, Kyle Filipowski, is back. Not often does the ACC Freshman of the Year come back instead of go to the NBA draft. He returns along with Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach, who were major contributors for last year's team that won the ACC Championship. Duke did fall at home last week, though, to a really good Arizona team. We can already talk about some results because the season's already happened. That's a positive of having the season preview when the season's already happened. But Duke did lose to a really good Arizona team last week. It still remains to be seen whether Shire is an elite in-game coach. But the Blue Devils are likely the league's best shot at ending that national championship drought. But you also have a team that made the Final Four last season. I mean, last season's Final Four was absolutely insane. It featured, we had several stunners. It was one of the most wild in recent memory. We had a four seed, two five seeds, and a nine seed. 
And number 13, Miami, might have had something to do with that. They did go to the Final Four last year. They took down the top two seeds in their region to advance to the program's first Final Four. It's, of course, you know, it's never easy repeating that success. It's going to be extremely hard repeating that success for Miami, though. The Hurricanes lose Isaiah Wong and Jordan Miller, who were their top two scorers from a year ago. Nigel Pack and Norchad Amir do return, though, for some experience. And Wuga Poplar is a name that Coach Jim Laranega has been hyping up. You might want to know his name. Miami should be a really good team once again, but that's something extra to get them over the top. I mean, you could kind of say they did go over the top last year, but to do it this year, that's unknown right now. If they beat Kentucky, though, they play at Rupp Arena on November 28th. If they can win that game, watch out for Miami because they'll be uh, pretty good once again. But now we do like a total flip. We go to a team that had major success last year to a team that was one of the biggest disappointments we've seen in quite some time. That was number 19, North Carolina. Because remember, in 2022, the Tar Heels, or the 2021-22 season, the Tar Heels led by first-year head coach Hubert Davis, they beat Duke in Coach K's final game in the Final Four, and they came up just short to Kansas in the national championship game. Last year, they were ranked number one in the preseason poll, and they failed to make the NCAA tournament. So safe to say... That's not going to happen again, or else Hubert Davis is in trouble in Chapel Hill. But you'd think Carolina would get back to that upper tier of the conference. They're headlined by Armando Baycott and R.J. Davis. I mean, nine players from last year's team are gone. So look for five-star freshman Elliot Cadeau and Stanford transfer Harrison Ingram to make some noise in the ACC. UNC's, they've got some helpful non-conference tests against ranked teams, UConn, Tennessee, and Kentucky that are going to help show us where they're at this year. And another sign that the ACC is not at its best, there's only three ranked teams, that, you know, that might not mean much come March. There's only three ranked teams right now, but it does show that there isn't a lot of hype surrounding some of these other teams, like Virginia, the aforementioned last team to win a championship in the ACC. But Virginia is losing five of their top seven players from last year, and only one player is returning that average to over 22 minutes a game. That would be Reese Beekman. So look for Isaac McNeely to make a sophomore jump and transfers Jordan Miner from Merrimack University and Jake Groves from Oklahoma to contribute for Tony Bennett. Now you've also got Wake Forest. The big names for them this year are going to be two Gonzaga transfers, Hunter Salas and Efron Reed, the latter of which is still waiting to hear from the NCAA on whether he can play this season or not, which is... Oh, wonderful NCAA. Combined, though, with sharpshooting guard Cam Hildreth, there's a bit of buzz that the Deeks could be a tournament team for the first time under head coach Steve Forbes. Wake has not been to the tournament outside of the first four since 2010, but they did suffer a rough road loss to Georgia last week. That may come back to haunt them come tournament time because you start losing, you know, not too... You start losing poor games right now, that could come back to haunt you when you're on the bubble. And two teams that did not make the NCAA tournament last year, but certainly hope they can this year. They don't really want to be on the bubble, but they probably will be, are Clemson and Virginia Tech. My Hokies for the Tigers, though. P.J. Hall and Chase Hunter returning is huge, and paired with Syracuse transfer Joe Girard. That has the makings of a team that is going to be at the top of the conference this year. And then for my Hokies, 
Hunter Couture and Sean Padula. They could be one of the league's best backcourts. And UNC transfer Tyler Nickel, the all-time leading scorer in the Virginia High School League. So, you know, a lot of great players have come through Virginia high schools. So that's definitely an accomplishment. He should be a nice compliment as well. And then you've got transfers Robbie Barron and Mikhail Long. They're going to be needed in the front court for VT to return to the tournament. Please, Mike Young, I'm begging you. Oh my gosh. Pittsburgh, though, made the NCAA tournament for the first time in seven years last season. But head coach Jeff Capel lost four of his top five scores. Although Blake Henson should be one of the league's best players. NC State is also somewhat of an unknown. They're getting former five-star recruit MJ Rice. He's a Kansas transfer. He could be what gets the Wolfpack to the tournament alongside Casey Morcell and DJ Burns inside. And then in the ACC, you also have three new coaches in the league this year. Syracuse is, of course, the most notable because Jim Beheim is not the head coach of Syracuse for the first time since 1976. Whoa. Y'all, that's insane. And Mike Bray isn't on the sidelines of South Bend. Former Penn State head coach Micah Shrewsbury is taking over, and he's going to have to rebuild Notre Dame. It's going to be a process. And then you've got Damon Stoudemire, who's taking over at Georgia Tech. And if there's going to be a coaching change during the season, it's probably going to be Louisville removing Kenny Payne, who just won four games total overall, four games in his first year, and he's already lost to Chattanooga this year. Louisville fans had high hopes for Kenny Payne. He was a big-time star for their program back in the day, and um, it has not worked out at all. It's been pretty rough. Okay, time to make a preseason pick, though, in the Atlantic Coast Conference. There is a clear talent gap, I think, between one team and even the others at the top of the conference. And so it's hard to pick against Duke to win the conference. Anything can happen, of course, but the Cameron Crazies should probably be disappointed if their team doesn't finish atop the ACC this year. I've got Duke winning the ACC. If you say so. One out of six conferences. Hold on, y'all. We are just getting started. We're going to go now. We've got three big conferences. And when I mean big, I mean big as in they have the word big in their name. So let's go to the first of the bigs, the Big East. And you can probably say that the Big East, despite being the smallest of the bigs, is they might be the best of the bigs right now. The conference hosts the University of Connecticut, who is the reigning national champions. And they have three teams that were in the top 10 of the preseason poll. That is the most of any conference, and that would be enough for the storylines. But you've also got a high-profile coach, you might know him as a vampire, you could say, who is also looking to reignite his career, and another school still looking to move on from their previous star coach. There's a lot that's going on in the Big East. Let's start at the top, though. We should probably start with the defending champion Huskies, who aren't even the top-ranked preseason team in their own conference. UConn is number six. They finished fourth in the Big East last season. They ultimately did get the ultimate crown, though. For the third time this century, they've won the national championship. I mean, Coach Danny Hurley is probably royalty now at the Constitution State, and he returns another team that definitely could repeat. Now, they're definitely losing some talent from last year's team, including Adama Sonogo and Jordan Hawkins. They were key for winning the championship last year. But the return of Tristan Newton, who had two triple-doubles last year, Pretty rare in the college game. Alex Caravan 
and Donovan Klingen, Sonogo's backup last year, paired with freshman Stefan Castle and transfer Kem Spencer. What that all means is that the Huskies are going to be gunning for another title. And a reminder that the last team to repeat as national champions was Billy Donovan's Florida Gators in 2006 and 2007. Gash facts. So listen, it's not impossible. It's unlikely, though. But that top-ranked team in the Big East is number five, Marquette. Last season's big success story, probably in the regular season, you know, the biggest success story in the nation. Shaka Smart took a team that was picked to finish ninth in the Big East before last season started and had them winning not just the regular season conference title, but the conference tournament title, too. Like, it's not the Huskies who are a popular preseason Big East pick. It's the Golden Eagles. Marquette returns 85% of its minutes from last season, led by preseason All-American Tyler Kolick. Cam Jones and Stevie Mitchell are also going to pair with Kolick for what should probably be one of the country's best backcourts on a team that is looking to advance beyond the first weekend of the tournament, which they didn't do last year, and get to their first Final Four since 2003. Their non-conference matchup on December 6th against Texas could help build their case as contenders. And then, oh look, we got another Big East team in the top 10. That is number 8, Creighton, who could have even been higher, possibly, if they had Ryan Nemhard and Arthur Kaluma. They transferred, though, so they're not a part of the picture. But returning from a team that, remember, y'all, they were just one point away from the Final Four last year. They lost by just one point to San Diego State in the Elite Eight last year. Returning from that team is defensive anchor Ryan Kalkbrenner, alongside double-digit scorers Trey Alexander and Baylor Shireman, and Utah State transfer Stephen Ashworth has huge expectations, making the team from Omaha one to fear in the Big East. And actually, one thing that I found not just for Creighton, but for a couple teams, which I found really interesting while I was doing the research for this podcast— Creighton has an extremely tough three-game stretch at the end of the calendar year, so 2023, when they host Alabama and Villanova, and they play Marquette in Milwaukee. But there's like a couple of teams that have really tough three-game stretches in December. It's really weird, but we'll get to those in a little bit. But that's Creighton. And now we go from Omaha to Philadelphia, where we had a big game Monday night, y'all. The game was in Philadelphia. A hometown team got a big win in a game involving number 22 Villanova. Only it wasn't Villanova who won the game. Penn beat Villanova. That's a huge win for them. And that definitely shows that second-year coach Kyle Neptune has his work cut out for him, replacing a legend in not just Villanova, but in college basketball in Jay Wright. Nova went 17-17 and last year, but they do return Justin Moore, who's a potential league player of the year, and Eric Dixon. Tyler Burton is also a big ad in the transfer portal. He scored 19 points a game last year at Richmond. But if the pen loss is any indicator, the Wildcats aren't ready to compete at the top of the conference right now. And then there's this team up in New York. Let's go up 95, where it is... Uh, Very intriguing. You know, there's a lot of reasons to be intrigued by the Big East this year. But there's also St. John's, who was bringing in a head coach by the name, you probably know this name, Rick Pitino. Who? 
That's right, y'all. The vampire is back. Patino has totally transformed the roster for the Red Storm. Only one guy is returning from last year. That's Joel Soriano, who's actually going to play a big part of that team, probably. But this year's team is led by transfers Jordan Dingle from Penn, Nahima Lean, who just won a national championship at UConn, and Dennis Jenkins from Iona, who's coming over from Rick Patino, who was the coach at Iona before he took the St. John's job. This is a team that could make the tournament, or they could be, you know, a bit rough to watch. They had a 16-point loss to Michigan at Madison Square Garden on Monday night, so that shows that there's definitely going to need to be some work that needs to be done if St. John's wants to be in tournament contention come March. And Xavier, their coach, Sean Miller, has also revamped the roster from top to bottom after they made the Sweet 16 last year. Guard Desmond Claude could be the probably the sole hope of the Musketeers making the tournament this year, however. And there's another notable name in coaching who also flipped his roster in the Big East. That would be Thad Mata at Butler. Last year was the only time he's ever had a team finish the season with a sub-500 record as head coach, which is actually kind of crazy because you think about the best coaches, and usually when they get to a program, they start to rebuild. And, you know, they have one or two seasons where they're not too great. But Thad Mata is a coach who has won basically everywhere he goes. And for Butler, Posh Alexander, the transfer from St. John's, is the name to know. I mean, bold, the Bulldogs could surprise a team or two on any given night in the league. Most of these teams of the Big East could, to be honest. It's a really competitive league. And then we've got the coaching switcheroos going on as well. Providence's open job went to George Mason coach Kim English, who has one of the league's best players in Bryce Hopkins. But that job only came up because Ed Cooley went to Georgetown. Now, the Hoyas have been, like, I don't want to say horrendous, because they did win the Big East title a couple of years ago, although it was a big surprise. But they've been bad these last few years. And Ed Cooley's got a lot of work to do, as was just shown a couple of days ago, because they lost Holy Cross. Transfers Jaden Epps from Illinois, Ish Masood from Kansas State, and Dontrez Styles from North Carolina are going to need to gel in order to get the Hoyas above the bottom of the league, which is going to be a little tough for a storied program in Georgetown. Like Georgetown is one of those programs where if Georgetown's better, college basketball is better. So personally, I'm rooting for the Hoyas to get back on track. Also, because I think the Hoyas name is really cool. So that's the Big East. To cap it off, my prediction, I mean, you've really got three excellent teams right at the top of the conference. Marquette, UConn, and Creighton. I would not be surprised if either of those teams took the conference title. But for me... Marquette sticks out because I do think Tyler Kolick is going to win Conference Player of the Year and is going to lead the Golden Eagles to their second straight conference crown. And I'm also a big Shaka Smart fan. So give me Marquette to win the Big East. Cool facts, bro. And that's just one of the big conferences, y'all. The second is the Big 12. Don't be duped by the Big East's success last season. though. The Big 12 has been the king of the bigs for a while. They had back-to-back -back national champions in Baylor and Kansas, and they also had seven of the league's 10 teams in the NCAA tournament last year. And now the league has four new schools. They started the realignment a little bit early. If you remember, BYU, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati all came from either the American Conference 
or BYU was in, for basketball, they were in the West Coast Conference. For football, they were an independent. But those four schools are now in the Big 12 this year. And one of those schools is a legit title contender, not just in the conference, but like in the country. And it's also the final year in the conference for probably the conference's two most legendary schools. We got a lot of storylines in the Big 12, too. And basketball is just fun to watch in the Midwest, y'all. Like, it's competitive and it's fun to watch. But there is nowhere else we can start with the Big 12 except for the number one team in the country for now, because I'm recording this Tuesday night. They're playing Kentucky in the State Farm Champions Classic. They're not looking too good. But for now, they're number one, the Kansas Jayhawks. The top-ranked Jayhawks bring in one of the country's best players in big man Hunter Dickinson from Michigan. And it's not just him who has experience. Jawan Harris, K.J. Adams, and Kevin McCullough Jr. all return from last year's team that was a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. But that number one seed did get upset by Arkansas in the second round because Coach Bill Self, if you remember at the end of last season, he was missing some games. But Self is ready to coach again and has his most experienced team, according to Ken Palm, because Kansas has won two national championships under Self, 2008-2022. And so in 2008, there were a combined 208 starts among the players on the team before that season. Well, this year, entering this season, the projected starting lineup has a combined 284 starts. This team is talented, it is experienced, and it has the makings of a championship squad, y'all. And they've got a big date with UConn on December 1st. That is going to be some high-quality basketball. And then next week, they're going to play in the Maui Invitational, which, I mean, the Maui Invitational might be, like, the best preseason basketball tournament of the year. It's always great. It's always got great teams. I believe it's being played in Honolulu this year, obviously, because of the fires in Lahaina, in on Maui. But it is still going to be in Hawaii. And listen, like we've got the likes of Kansas, of course, but Tennessee, Purdue, Gonzaga, UCLA, and Marquette, they're all going to be in it. And of course, Chaminade, a real powerhouse, just ask the University of Virginia. But over Thanksgiving week next week, that tournament is going to be some fun. So that is Kansas. And there's four new teams in the Big 12 this year, as I mentioned. Three of them are projected to finish uh, at the bottom of the league. But the one that isn't, is number seven, Houston, who could very easily win the league. Now, the Cougars aren't going to dominate in the Big 12 like they did in the American those last few years, but head coach Kelvin Sampson is still going to be contending for not just conference titles, but as I said, national ones too. They've got Baylor transfer LJ Cryer. He joins Jamal Shedd as the headliners for a team that's going to have to move beyond Marcus Sasser and Jarris Walker for a team that was a number one seed in the NCAA tournament last year. Houston gets to host Kansas in the final game of the regular season. For what, I mean, that could be the game that determines who wins the conference of the regular season. Like, the schedule makers knew what they were doing when they put that one together. And then, to my national champion in last year's bracket, number 18, Texas. You've let me down, Longhorns, but I do forgive you. Last season was a bit wild. Listen, the fact that Texas was even a title contender, like, I just pulled out on my you-know-what. That was... They were an actual title contender in the tournament last year. The fact they were was crazy because Chris Beard was their coach to start the season. 
He was suspended and then fired back in January after a domestic violence allegation, only to be picked up by an SEC school a few months later, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But that left Rodney Terry in charge for most of the season. And still, the Longhorns managed to come just one game away from the conference crown in the regular season. And then they went on to win the Big 12 championship with an interim coach. Texas should be fun once again, though, because Rodney Terry has had that interim tag removed. He is the head coach. No interim. And they also added Oral Roberts star Max Abrams to pair with Dylan DeSue and Tyrese Hunter. Like, that matchup in Milwaukee that I mentioned with Marquette, that could prove whether the Horns are going to go out of the Big 12 with a bang or with a whimper because Texas is leaving the Big 12 for the SEC after this season, which is sad. Not as sad as some of the other realignment moves, but it's still, you know, no. And then, you know, we should probably talk about number 20 Baylor too, because when you talk about the top of the Big 12, these last few years, you've been talking about Scott Drew's Baylor Bears. They have still not gotten past the first weekend of the tournament, though, since they won the whole thing back in 2021. And this year, they've got more talent that's left. LJ Cryer, Alan Flagler, and Keontae George have all gone. That means potential top freshman Jacoby Walter is going to need to have an impressive rookie campaign, which I do. I think he certainly can. And Jalen Bridges is returning alongside transfers Ray J. Dennis and Jaden Nunn. They're also going to have to be significant contributors. But you like since Baylor has finished in the top two of the conference in three out of the last four seasons, last season was the exception, you know, You'd be wrong to bet against the Bears, although they're going to have another top team this year for competition for that top two seeding in the Big 12. But even going beyond the top 25 means finding some quality Big 12 teams that can definitely make a splash, like TCU, because Mike Miles Jr. and Damian Berg are gone from a team that had the third most points in transition in the country last year. But Kansas transfer Ernest Uda Jr. is a massive add alongside hyped freshman Jace Posey and Delaware transfer Jameer Nelson Jr. TCU, this is insane, y'all. TCU has never had a winning record in Big 12 play. Big 12 has been a conference since the 90s. Could this be the year for Jamie Dixon's squad? I mean, in some ways, the conference got even harder, so we'll have to see. Kansas State, though, was also an extremely surprising team last year under first-year head coach Jerome Tang. You know, while the big pieces of last year's 26-win team have departed, transfers Arthur Kaluma and Tyler Perry are going to have to make an instant impact. And you've also got returners Naquan Tomlin and Cam Carter, who are going to have the Wildcats destined for another NCAA tournament berth. I think that's going to happen. And I'd also put in that category... Iowa State. Head coach TJ Otzelberger had the league's best defense last year, and he brings in five-star freshman Omaha Bilyeu to right some of the wrongs on offense because they were a great defensive team. The offense was lacking, though. Bilyeu could definitely help with that alongside another stud freshman in Milan Momsilovich, alongside sophomore guard Tammy Lipsy. That gives the Cyclones talent and potentially the offensive firepower potentially to beat anybody when they get hot. Iowa State could be a big sleeper in this conference. 
And the other team that's leaving the Big 12 at the end of the year is Oklahoma, who was one of those three teams that did not make the NCAA tournament last year, who was a member of the Big 12 last year. But Coach Porter Moser should have the Sooners heading in the right direction. It's going to be up to transfers John Hurley and Javion McCollum alongside second-year guard Milos Uzan to get OU onto that tournament bubble. I feel like there's probably going to be a bunch of teams who are in or around that bubble come March in the Big 12. Texas Tech might be one of them. They have a new coach in Grant McCaslin, who's probably going to continue that Red Raiders defensive first mentality. And so does West Virginia. Because if you didn't hear what Bob Huggins did over the summer, you might want to do yourself a quick little uh, Google search. I'll just... He had a DUI arrest back in the spring. He said some stuff on a radio show he shouldn't have. It's... Yes, he's gone. And of course, Cincinnati, BYU, UCF, members of the Big 12. Are you going to hear about them a bunch? Probably not this year. But for my pick of the Big 12... I've got to go with Kansas, y'all. Like in the Big East, I think there's just one team whose talent, and in this case experience, just supersedes all else. The Jayhawks have that, and Bill Self is a proven head coach. It's hard to see the Jayhawks not winning something this year. Like even the Maui Invitational, they have to win something this year for it to be worth it. And of course, you know they're going to win a national championship too. But again, Houston, Texas, Baylor, Even Kansas State and Iowa State, I think, are going to be, you know, maybe even contenders at the top of the conference. The Big 12 is loaded, and we have been saying that for the last several years now. It just does not stop. And now we move on to the final big conference, y'all. Big fact incoming! No longer the biggest of the bigs, because in terms of size, the Big 10 stood alone at the top. They had 14 members The Big 12 has 14 members this year. I know, Big 12, Big 10. They don't have 12 members. They don't have 10 members. They did at one point, and then they added more, and they dropped some at some point for the Big 12, and then they just didn't change their name. But the Big 12 now has 14 members, so they match them for now, though, because the Big 10 is adding four new members from the West Coast next year and is once again going to reign supreme among the Bigs. Probably not on the court, though, because it was another year added on to the drought last year. We always like to mention this on the podcast, that the Big Ten has not won a national championship. Not since Michigan State in the year 2000 has the conference took home the sport's biggest prize. I was not alive in the year 2000. Terrible. That's how insane that is. But they certainly do have at least one team, I think, that looks like they can contend for a title. And that team is Purdue, who was number three in the AP poll. But in the Ken Palm rankings, they're number one. Now, of course, when we mentioned Purdue, we have to talk about what happened at the end of last season. Didn't exactly end the way they wanted. They became just the second ever number one seed to lose to a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. They lost to Fairleigh Dickinson. But if you forget that, Purdue basically like ran through the Big Ten last year. They won the conference regular season and tournament titles, and they returned possibly the nation's best player in Zach Eady, who was seven foot three inches tall. Like he's a mountain of a man. How good Purdue really is is gonna boil down to how the players around Eady play. You've got returnees Mason Gillis, Fletcher Lauer, and Braden Smith. How they all improve around Edie is basically going to determine whether Purdue can repeat at the top of the conference. 
One thing is for sure, though, three-point shooting has to improve. The Boilermakers ranked 291st in that category last year. Yikes. But they've got some tough games next week in Maui. They start off against Gonzaga, and then you know who else they're going to play. Maybe Chaminade. And then Matt Painter's squad gets to face Alabama and Arizona back-to-back in December. It is a grueling non-conference slate for Purdue. And then the Big Ten... That usually doesn't offer you any favors either. Like one thing that always gets thrown out there about, you know, the Big Ten not having won a national championship since 2000 is that, you know, the teams beat up each other on conference play. And then they get to the tournament and they're like, oh, we're a little too tired for this, which I don't really get because the Big 12 has basically been the deepest team these last few years. And they have two of the last three national champions. The ACC keeps getting national champions this century. And they have been one of the best conferences. So I don't really get that, but that's just what people say. Then you've got, coming into the season, Michigan State was number four. They are no longer number four. They looked like the other contender in the conference, but then they lost at home to JMU. And all that did was give JMU fans more things to talk about, about how amazing they are. So they've fallen all the way down to 18 in the latest poll. Like, that's going to have to be something that Tom Izzo shrugs off and not let get into the heads of top freshman Jeremy Fears Jr. and Xavier Booker because Izzo said Jeremy Fears Jr. is going to be what makes this team go. And a bad loss like that earlier in the season at home, that could kill your confidence. So you've also got returnees Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogger. They're going to have to be the leaders on this team which is returning four or five starters from a year ago as well. They've got a matchup with Arizona on Thanksgiving Day. That could be good enough that you might turn your attention away from the football for just a little bit on Thanksgiving Day. I think that's in the afternoon. So I think that's the Cowboys and Washington game, which I don't know. I know it's a big rivalry, but it might get ugly quick. We'll see. I don't know. We're not talking football on this podcast. We're talking college basketball. So you should watch that game on Thanksgiving Day. Stay on track. And then we always talk about how deep the Big Ten is. They took eight teams to the dance last year. But Illinois is the last preseason ranked squad in the conference. They're number 25. And the Fighting Illini were my preseason pick last year to win not just the conference, but the national championship. And then they proceeded to... Missed the whole tournament. Oh, wonderful. But the big reason why they come into the season ranked after missing the tournament is the return of Terrence Shannon Jr., who is going to be in his fifth year in college and had last year career highs in points per game, his assist rate, and he tied his career high in true shooting percentage. Coach Brad Underwood also appears really excited about sophomore guard Ty Rogers, while Coleman Hawkins is another name to watch as he'll be up against guys like Zach Eady in the front court in the Big Ten. But it is hard to know whether this Illini squad is up for the test. We're probably going to find out when they face two top ten teams back-to-back next month in Florida Atlantic. I know, that's still pretty crazy. And Tennessee. But Florida Atlantic, that's a tough game for now. You know, we'll talk about Florida Atlantic a little later, but that's the top ten team right now. So... The Big Ten, of course, is deep, looking beyond the ranked teams, because there's only 25 of them. But we've got teams like Maryland, Indiana, and Wisconsin, all of whom I think should make the tournament this year. For the Terrapins, second-year head coach Kevin Willard, 
He's added some nice talent, such as freshman Deshaun Harris-Smith, to go alongside veterans Julian Reese, Dante Scott, and Jameer Young. Mike Woodson has not missed the NCAA tournament yet in his two years at Indiana, but this might be his toughest test yet, as he's got to replace Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, and Jalen Hood Scafino, all three of whom were big time for the Hoosiers last year. I'd look for Xavier Johnson and Malik Renew, plus Oregon transfer Khalil Ware to power the Hoosiers towards the finish line. I think they'll still make the tournament. And then Tyler Wall is going to be the man to watch for the Badgers if Wisconsin wants to get past the NIT next season, which is usually a goal. And then you've got Northwestern. Do you all know the last time that Northwestern made back-to-back NCAA tournaments? Well, I can tell you that the last time that that happened was never. It has never happened. They've only been twice. 2017 and 2023 are the only times the Wildcats have ever made the NCAA tournament. It's a fact. But they are going to rely on Boo Booey to get them back to the big dance. Great name who is hoping to get Northwestern to their first ever back-to-back NCAA tournament appearances. And then there's a lot of question marks, I think, of the Big Ten. Ohio State, Bruce Thornton should get his chance to shine for the Buckeyes. Michigan, it seems like Jawan Howard's program is not going in the right direction, but they did get that nice win over St. John's earlier in the week, even though Jawan Howard wasn't coaching in that game. Iowa, like, can Caitlin Clark play for the men? Because <laughs> that might be the only way they can make it the NCAA tournament. Then you've got Rutgers and Nebraska, also two teams with unknowns. Derek Simpson is going to be looking to take a step up for the Scarlet Knights. And then Casey Tominaga is going to be looking for the same thing for the Cornhuskers. So that's the Big Ten. How about a prediction for the Big Ten? Because Purdue was the easy choice because they ran away with it last year. And since I think Michigan State is probably their only true competition at the top, and I told you they had that loss to JMU, they just lost to Duke on Tuesday night in the Champions Classic. Um, I think Purdue's going to repeat. I don't think the Boilermakers are probably too focused on the Big Ten this year. They're probably, you know, focused on advancing a bit farther in the NCAA tournament, but I still think Purdue is going to win the Big Ten Conference, y'all. Last of the bigs. Now let's go to a conference where it is their last season. Requiem for the Conference of Champions, y'all. The Pac-12, this is it. It's the final year of Pac-12 basketball. After this season, we're going to have four members join the Big Ten, four are going to go over to the Big 12, and another two are going to join the ACC because, you know, what mix is better than the Atlantic Coast Conference and West Coast teams? Then there's Washington State and Oregon State, who have yet to find a home. And, like, there's an actual possibility they may just go it alone with a Pac-2 next year, and I don't know. How that would work, but it'd be something. I guess we'll figure that out later. But just like the conference is thriving on the football field this year, we'll talk about that next week on our football podcast, the basketball court could also be lit up with success in a way that could only make Bill Walton smile and say something about mushrooms on a national television broadcast, y'all. I'm a member of the Conference of Champions. Let's do the Pac-12. Starting off, number 12, Arizona. They lost just four games two years ago, which was also head coach Tommy Lloyd's first year with the Arizona Wildcats. And last year, they finished four games behind UCLA in the conference title race. Even though they lost just seven games, UCLA was absolutely dominant. And while the Wildcats did win the conference tournament, 
they got ousted by a 15 seed, Princeton, in the NCAA tournament. This year, they feature Umar Balo, who is going to have to be massive for them because Kerkrisa and Azulis Tubelis are off to greener pastures. They're no longer with the Wildcats. But Ballo had 11 double-doubles last year, and he's a contender for Conference Player of the Year. Actually, Arizona's losing four starters from last year. But as we saw last week, I said they got that huge win at Duke. The addition of Caleb Love from North Carolina is going to probably fit in nicely. And then San Diego State transfer Keisha Johnson is also going to be needed for the Wildcats to sustain their success. Remember, San Diego State... That's the team that went to the national championship game last year. There does appear to be some turnover, but you know, since Tommy Lloyd hasn't received below a number two seat in the NCAA tournament as Arizona's coach, there's little reason to doubt him right now in the Wildcats. But like I said, those three game stretches, they've got a grueling three game stretch right before Christmas with Purdue, Alabama, and Florida Atlantic. That's a tough game. Although all of those are at home, but they're still top 25 preseason teams. And the only other ranked team in the preseason out West, besides a couple mid-majors, I think you know one of them, would be number 21 USC. Now the biggest story you might have heard about USC probably happened off the court this offseason. Bronny James, who is the son of LeBron James, LeBron James Jr., is a freshman at USC And during a practice over the summer, he suffered a cardiac arrest, and it's not clear when he's going to play again. But all the updates we've gotten have been very good signs, so there's a chance he could play this season, but we don't know if, we don't know when. But USC's success is probably not even going to hinge on the availability of Bronny, because Boogie Ellis was the leading scorer last year. He's back, and he's joined by freshman phenom Isaiah Collier in the backcourt. That could be the conference's best backcourt right there if Collier really shows out. And another son of an NBA great, DJ Rodman, son of Dennis, should get big minutes as well. By the way, Dennis Rodman now has a son playing for USC basketball and a daughter playing for the U.S. women's national team. How about that? If it can come together for the Trojans, they are absolutely a threat to Arizona at the top of the conference. But they've got a December 2nd home game against Gonzaga. That is going to be fun to watch. And they also head to Arizona on January 17th. But they get to host the Wildcats on the last day of the regular season. Schedule makers, again, knew what they were doing there. So why don't we stay in Los Angeles and talk about UCLA, the team that I said dominated the conference last year. They did. Mick Cronin has had a lot of success in Westwood. But the players who have been on the court for that success... Guys like Jaime Jaquez Jr. and Tiger Campbell, they're no longer Bruins. But Conference Freshman of the Year Adam Bona returns, and Cronin brings in six freshmen, including 7'3 center Ade Mara. Finally, a guy to match up with Zach Eady. But UCLA should once again be a tournament team, and it'll be thanks to their defense, which was 7th best in the country last year. And now it's time to talk. If we're talking Pac-12, we got to talk Colorado. No, it's not about Coach Prime. Actually, in fact, Colorado's basketball program might be better than their football team right now. The Buffaloes, they weren't ranked in the preseason poll, but they are number 25 in the latest rankings. Like, Tristan Da Silva is going to take over some games this season. KJ Simpson should be excellent as well. And Colorado coach Tad Boyle brings on five-star recruit Cody Williams. 
the brother of Jalen Williams of the Oklahoma City Thunder, which one I couldn't tell you because there's two Jalen Williams on the Oklahoma City Thunder who both came in in the same season. They were rookies. And TCU transfer Eddie Lampkin Jr. is also going to be pivotal. They're a sneaky team with lots of talent. Beware the Buffaloes, y'all. I guess in football, but in basketball, too. Then you've got Oregon. Oregon has been on a roller coaster with their head coach, Dana Altman. Like, one year they're in the Final Four, and then the next, they're out of the tournament. The Ducks have not been dancing in three years, but veterans in Folly Dante, Jermaine Cuisinard, and Cario Oquendo are looking to change that. The Ducks are also adding the 11th-ranked recruiting class in the country, Top 40 prospects, including Mookie Cook, Kwame Evans Jr., and Jackson Shellstead, although Cook is going to be out for a few months with an ankle injury. That's what's killed Oregon these last few years is injuries. They cannot have many other injuries, or else it's going to be another year without a tournament berth. And then next year, conference play gets harder because they're going to be in the Big Ten. And then two other teams who aren't going to the Big Ten, but they are going to the Atlantic Coast Conference, Stanford and California. Don't those scream Atlantic Coast Conference to you? Palo Alto and Berkeley? I'm sure they do. They appear to be on different paths, though. The Cardinal are bringing back four starters from last year, including leading scorer Spencer Jones. Cal won a total of three games last year. So, I mean, I hope they'll do better than three games. ACC. ACC. Oregon State, remember them. They made that magical tournament run a couple years ago. And then they've been in the dumps ever since. Wayne Tinkle's side should improve on 11 wins last year. I also just love saying Wayne Tinkle. And then you've got two coaches, Mike Hopkins at Washington and Bobby Hurley at Arizona State. If they, they might be in for a very rough season. And if they are, time might be ticking. That's all I'll say. So time to make a pick for the conference out West, the Pac-12, who is going to be the final champion in the conference of champions. I'm going to go with my sleeper pick. Not Arizona, not USC, although I think it's going to be a three-way race at the top. But I like Colorado. Are you sure? To finish on top in March when I think they're going to all going to be put together, those freshmen and those veterans. Colorado looks intriguing. So I've got the Buffaloes winning the conference title before even Coach Prime could win a conference title. How about that? Finally, though, our final conference, we finished down south in the SEC. We love to clown on the Big Ten for not having a champion in my lifetime, but the SEC hasn't had a national champion since Kentucky in 2012, which, by the way, the Big Ten isn't even the worst in terms of the longest drought without a national champion. Pac-12 hasn't won a national championship since 1997 with Arizona, so like, in that sense, I guess the Big Ten gets off scot-free and the SEC, but other than those conferences, the Big East, the ACC, and the Big 12, they've all won multiple championships since the SEC last won a national championship, and they haven't had a team make the Final Four since 2019, but they did have five ranked teams this preseason, the most of any conference, and as noted in the athletic preview of the SEC this year, I found, you can't spell respect without SEC, so I guess the preseason voters are giving the SEC some respect. Does it just mean more? Let's find out. Because it just means more in the SEC. They do have five ranked teams, but we have to go down all the way to number nine to start as we take a look at number nine, Tennessee. 
The Vols lost in the Sweet 16 to Florida Atlantic last year. That's, you know, okay. They did make the Final Four. Three of their top players returned from that game, including Josiah Jordan-James, Santiago Viscovi, and Zakai Ziegler. Dalton Necht, also from Northern Colorado. The transfer looks to be an absolute stud. And top 100 recruits Cameron Carr and J.P. Estrella should also be significant contributors. Tom Izzo said that this looks like a Final Four team. You're like, Tom Izzo. Michigan State played Tennessee in a charity match. UT won that game. And Rick Barnes, Tennessee's head coach, has only been to the Final Four once. Back when he was coaching Texas in 2003. This may be his best chance since, though. They're going to get to play in that Maui Invitational next week and then in Chapel Hill for the inaugural, oh, I did mention this, ACC-SEC Challenge on November 29th. Because I forgot to say, you remember that ACC Big Ten Challenge we used to have in the preseason in November for many years, like 20 years that went on? Well, the Big Ten's new TV contract started this year, so ESPN doesn't have the rights to any Big Ten home games now. And ESPN was the one that carried the ACC Big Ten Challenge. So they said, all right, we're done with that. And by the way, Big Ten games are going to be on CBS, NBC, and Fox. There's going to be, there's already been basketball games on Peacock this year, which is very confusing. But either way, no more Big Ten home games on ESPN, which is certainly a change. And so the ACC Big Ten Challenge is gone. We also had the SEC Big 12 Challenge, which ESPN also did. Now, ESPN still has the rights to the Big 12, but they got rid of the Big 12 SEC Challenge, and now it's just the ACC SEC Challenge, which is starting off the week after Thanksgiving is going to be those one-off games, which will be interesting, obviously, playing for conference pride. What are you talking about? But that game between Tennessee and Carolina in Chapel Hill, I mean, this, this ACC-SEC challenge is going to give us some pretty good games like that, y'all. And then we've got Arkansas. Eric Musselman, their head coach, he's had some pretty consistently good teams at Arkansas. He's 14th in the poll for a few years now, but they haven't gotten past the Elite Eight. Will this be the year? It would likely take Musselman's best coaching job yet, though. They've got returnees Trayvon Brazil, who was injured for most of last year, so it's good he'll be back. Devontae Davis and Mekhi Mitchell, they should be great. And Musselman has also decided to bring in six transfers, who were all starters. L. Ellis was a starter at Louisville, Tremont Mark at Houston, Khalif Battle at Temple, Jeremiah Davenport at Cincinnati, Chandler Lawson at Memphis, and Denijay Harris from Southern Miss. So that's a lot of talent. That's certainly a combination, though. Is it going to work? That remains to be seen. But their ACC-SEC Challenge game is Duke, and they get to host Duke. Bed Walton Rita is going to be rocking. That's going to be a good game. And third on the list of SEC-ranked teams is Texas A&M, number 15. That's right, Brent. I mean, Buzz. Williams may have found himself one of the country's best players, though, in Wade Taylor IV, who led the SEC in free throw percentage last year. And AM returns some of their top guys, including Tyrese Radford and Henry Coleman. AM has been to the last two SEC tournament title games, y'all. They didn't win either of them, though. And so Buzz Williams, he has taken three schools now to the NCAA tournament, including my Hokies. But he hasn't won a conference title, and he hasn't made a Final Four. 
So it remains to be seen if this A&M squad is his best yet. But a win at Virginia would be nice in that ACC-SEC challenge. And the ultimate non-conference test comes when they host Houston on December 16th. That'll be a good game between two Texas schools who are non-conference opponents. And of course, now that we're talking SEC basketball, we got to talk about number 16, Kentucky. They're usually mentioned earlier on when we're talking about the SEC, but the predictors say they're only going to be the fourth best SEC team this year, which is a drastic turn because from 2011 to 2022, the Wildcats had been picked to finish first every year except for one when they were picked to finish second before the season started. But I feel like John Calipari's got a nice mix of phenom freshmen to go along with some experienced veterans. Trey Mitchell comes in from West Virginia and is already one of the most experienced veterans in the league. Antonio Reeves and Otto Theoro should also be guiding lights for the Young Guns, who are headlined by Justin Edwards, who right now is near or at the top of many mock drafts for next year's NBA draft. So remember that name, Justin Edwards. And they get to host both Miami and North Carolina in the non-conference slate, although both of those could easily be losses if Calipari's crew hasn't figured things out yet. But I feel like they should be a lot better second half of the season. And the final SEC team that the writers selected by the Associated Press decided to grace with their prestigious preseason ranking, number 24, Alabama. The Crimson Tide were excellent last year. If you remember behind Brandon Miller, he was the second pick in the draft. The Tide grabbed a number one seed in the NCAA tournament for the first time last year. And it was actually the number one overall seed. But they did lose to San Diego State in Sweet 16, so that really stopped the party before it was even able to begin. But not just Miller left. Five of Alabama's top six scorers are also gone, meaning Coach Nate Oates had his work cut out for him this summer. So he brought in freshman Jaron Stevenson, who's leading a top 20 recruiting class, and transfers Aaron Estrada from Hofstra, Grant Nelson from North Dakota State, and Latrell Reitzel Jr. from Cal State Fullerton are going to need to make some immediate impacts. I don't think Alabama's going to get a number one seed again this year. They're another team, though, with a deathly triple header in December. I was telling you all about those. They host Purdue, they go to Omaha to play Creighton, and they also post Arizona. Like, I, I don't want to be mean, but don't be surprised if they lose all three of those against preseason top 10 picks. Some of these teams with these three-game slates in December are just brutal. But there's nine other SEC teams, so we should probably mention them at least a little bit. Auburn coach Bruce Pearl he always has a decent squad on the Plains, and he returned six of the team's top nine guys from last year when they went to the second round of the NCAA tournament, including Johnny Broom. And also watch out for five-star freshman Aiden Holloway and transfer Denver Jones, who averaged 20 points per game in Conference USA last year. So I would bet on another dancing year for the Tigers. There's more Tigers in the SEC, though. Missouri, they lost their top three scores from last year, but they bring back Nick Honor, Noah Carter, and Sean East to pair with transfers Caleb Grill, Tamar Bates, and John Tanji. Two NCAA tournaments in two years is not out of the question for second-year head coach Dennis Gates. And more Tigers, you say. LSU, they bring in two top 100 freshmen in Corey Chess and Mike Williams, but they're probably going to be at the bottom of a loaded conference. And then more tight. No, that's it. 
Only three Tigers in the SEC. We can go to the Gators. Florida, they returned Will Richard and Riley Kugel, but they still lost a lot of production last year. For second-year head coach Todd Golden, this is going to be a great chance to prove himself by bringing together transfers Walter Clayton Jr., E.J. Jarvis, Micah Hanlickton, Zion Pullen, and Tyrese Samuel. And for Mississippi State, as long as Tolu Smith is healthy, they should make it past the first four of the tournament this year. Having added Marshall transfer Andrew Taylor, who averaged 20 points per game last year. And oh yes, Ole Miss. You remember that SEC school I said that hired Chris Beard, who was... Listen, there's a lot of... If you want to get into that whole thing, I would do a Google search on Chris Beard too. But that SEC school that hired Chris Beard is Ole Miss. I mean, the, the man can coach, obviously. His team's not going to be that great this year at Ole Miss, though. And Jerry Stackhouse had Vanderbilt winning 12 of their last 15 games last year. And Mike White has a top 15 recruiting class coming into Georgia, headlined by Blue Kane, Silas Demary Jr., and Dylan James. And then there's South Carolina, who I learned have only been to the NCAA tournament once since 2004, and that was in 2017 when they went to the Final Four. They were picked to finish last in the SEC this year. Oof, that is a bad loss for my Hokies, who lost to them last week in Charlotte. So now it's time to pick a winner for the SEC last year. Our final conference preview, y'all. I actually think that a lower preseason prediction alleviates some of the pressure off of Kentucky, and I think they go on to win the league. They'll be much better in the latter half of the season, which means they might have a much better conference record than their overall record would indicate. Give me the Wildcats of Big Blue Nation, y'all. BBN. Sanders facts? I think Tennessee is still going to be really good at the top. I mean, you've good grief. You've got five ranked teams in the SEC. Tennessee, Arkansas, A&M, Alabama, all those teams. Even Auburn. I really like Auburn this year. Those teams should be really good. But I think Kentucky is going to stand out in conference play and win the SEC. How about that, y'all? Those are our conference previews. Oh, my gosh. Before we get, though, to my final predictions, the ones y'all have been waiting for, I know, my final four picks... We got some other teams to talk about. Teams that aren't in major conferences. Not all of the best teams are in major conferences, y'all. Here's who to watch in what we call the mid-majors. Because this is the point in the podcast where we're supposed to acknowledge Gonzaga. And so there you go. Number 11, Gonzaga. But, like, I got a question. Is everything okay in Spokane? Because the Zags were not picked to finish first in their conference. That would be number 23, St. Mary's, who we're going to talk about in just a second. They were picked to finish first in the West Coast Conference. That may be because Drew Timmy is no longer a Bulldog, but Mark Few, their coach, does bring in Creighton transfer Ryan Nemhard to pair with returnees Anton Watson and Nolan Hickman. They're going to face Purdue in the Maui Invitational on Monday. You know, we'll discover probably if that second place prediction was truly correct, although we probably won't until they play St. Mary's. At the end of the season, they also play USC and UConn on neutral sites. Gonzaga's always got a loaded non-conference slate. But St. Mary's, they play them on the road to end the season because, you know, once again, the schedule makers out West knew what they were doing. That could be a game that could decide the conference right there. That last game of the season between St. Mary's and Gonzaga. But hey, guess what? Gonzaga is not the highest ranked mid-major in the preseason. 
That would be Florida Atlantic, number 10. They made the Final Four last season. Check. They bring back basically everybody. Check. And they have a chance to prove themselves in the non-conference. Check, 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 y'all. We are going to learn pretty quickly if the Owls' run last year was a fluke. They get to play Illinois on December 5th and Arizona two days before Christmas. But FAU does return 90% of its minutes from a year ago when they won 35 games. Those two aforementioned games are going to be interesting to witness, y'all. And they play in the American this year, which is probably going to be tougher than their old conference, Conference USA. And so when we talk about the American in the mid-majors, we usually talk about Houston. But Houston is Big 12 now. So instead, let's mention Memphis for a second, because Coach Penny Hardaway brings in Javon Quinterly from Alabama and Kayla Mills from Florida State for what should be a very experienced team. FAU is probably going to be favored in the American, but Memphis is going to be a very tough out. And then we spoke of St. Mary's. Let's talk about them. They had a top 10 defense, according to Ken Palm last season, and they returned two-thirds of their production. Aiden Mahaney is going to be the name to watch to see whether the Gales can finally get over the Gonzaga hump, because Gonzaga has not finished first in the regular season since 2012 in the conference. So, you know. That was a fact. But St. Mary's did just lose to Weber State, so take with that what you will. And how about the team that lost the national championship game? Number 17, San Diego State. The Aztecs bring back Darion Trammell, Jaden Lee, Lamont Butler, and Micah Parrish from last season's run. And they add in USC transfer Reese Waters, the Mountain West Newcomer of the Year. But they already had a loss at BYU. That's a big setback. And the only other ranked sides that they're going to face this year are St. Mary's, this coming Friday, and Gonzaga at the end of December. So to round out our mid-majors, a couple more teams to mention. Dayton should probably be the class of the Atlantic 10. That's been going on the last few years. Boise State and New Mexico highlight what is going to be a tough Mountain West Conference for San Diego State. And the College of Charleston could make major noise come March. They've got a game at Florida Atlantic on December 2nd, which I think is going to be fun to watch. So there you have it, y'all. Previews are done. But now it's time for the moment y'all have been waiting for. Here it comes! Without further ado, let's get to my always factually correct, of course, no sarcasm, final four predictions for the upcoming college basketball season. A reminder of who I picked to win my conferences. I've got Duke in the ACC, Marquette in the Big East, Kansas in the Big 12, Big 10 Purdue, Pac-12 Colorado, and Kentucky in the SEC. But now for the moment y'all been waiting for, my final four picks. Last year was a bit rough because out of the four teams that I chose in the preseason to make the final four, none of them did. Or even the Elite Eight. Or even the Sweet 16. Only two of them actually made the tournament. Two others missed out entirely. Included my national champion pick, which was yikes. But really, I mean, it's preseason predictions. Okay, give me some slack. The ones that matter are the ones in my brackets. When we do my exclusive bracket reveal on this podcast, one of my favorite podcasts to do every year, when we do that in March, those are the ones that matter. And in that one, last year I got one team right in the Final Four, and that team was UConn, who won the national championship. So even though I didn't pick them to win the national championship, they still, I picked them to get to the Final Four. They won the national championship. I mean, there you go. 
So I didn't get my champion correct for the third straight year. And at least they still made the Elite Eight. I still, I'm not mad at you, Texas. Suffice to say, you should probably listen more intently to me when we get to March. But I still believe in my facts, so I gotta make these picks. Now, of course, this could go, you know, a million different ways because seeding, these teams could be grouped together in the same bracket. Whatever happens come March. But to me, the four best teams, are y'all ready? Here we go. My final four teams, Duke, Kansas, Marquette, and Tennessee. I didn't even have Tennessee winning the SEC, but I think that race is going to be close between Kentucky and Tennessee. So those are my four final four teams. And for my national champion pick, y'all, the Kansas Jayhawks. Hunter Dickinson might just be the best player in the country. Bill Self might be one of, if not the best coaches in the country. I mean, Kansas is going to win their second national championship in three years. Fact, Nugget. Xander's facts, y'all. How about that? So there you have it, y'all. A preview of the 2023-2024 college basketball season, which is already underway. Why are you not watching basketball right now? The season concludes with the Final Four in the National Championship game on April 6th and 8th from State Farm Stadium in Arizona. There are your hoops facts, y'all. Oh my gosh. So many facts. But there you have it. Enjoy the college basketball season, y'all. It's going to be a fun one. I think that there's going to be some great teams. We're going to have some great games. And come March, it's going to be fun, y'all. So there you have it. That is our college basketball season preview for this year on the Xander's Facts Podcast. Those are all the facts I have for y'all this week. Thank you all so much for listening. And remember, if you like the Xander's Facts Podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, rate and review the podcast, and then check us out on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts, that's Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. We like to call it spreading the facts. Tell all your friends about the podcast, the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, Xander's Facts on YouTube. All our new episodes, including this one, get posted to YouTube. You can watch with a nice background. Sign up, subscribe. That link is in the episode's description as well. And also remember to check out the Xander's Facts link tree because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need. Also, in the episode's description. Y'all, what an episode 123. So many facts. Thank you all for bearing through it and listening to all the facts I had on college basketball. We're going to stick with sports next week for episode 124. It's Thanksgiving week. I said this earlier. And we're talking football, specifically college football, because next week, after this Saturday, Thanksgiving week is rivalry week, the final week of the college football regular season. And it, the season is going It's insane, y'all. Like, the chaos isn't there, but at the top, you've got a bunch of teams who are probably good enough to make the four-team playoff, and it's the last year with the four-team playoff. Like, there's a lot of stuff I got to get off my chest to talk about, and we're going to do that next week on our Thanksgiving week podcast, talking college football. I'm excited, y'all. It's going to be a nice, festive podcast, so make sure to tune into that next week episode 124 but that is it that is a wrap on episode 123 of the xander's facts podcast thank you all so much for listening and we'll see y'all with episode 124 next week
I love big leaf maples. I do too. Oh, this feels so good.